Welcome to the Blue Mound United Methodist Church podcast. My name is Pastor Jacob, and we are in the process of launching our digital ministry. Uh, We want you to subscribe and to provide feedback as we work towards doing this better. Our goal is to enrich your faith beyond our walls through sermons, interviews, and Bible studies. We hope that you'll be patient with us and offer us a little grace as we work out the kinks in the recording process. Today's episode is about following instructions. Um, More specifically, it's about um, can we do the things that we know we ought to do? Uh, What do we do when we know the right thing to do versus the wrong thing to do? And how is it that if we do the right thing consistently, time in and time out, or time after time, now I've got a song playing in my head. Uh, can we consistently do the right thing? And how does our life begin to change for the better? Uh, how is our life healed by following instructions? In standing for our gospel reading this morning, coming from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 11. Through 19. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And, they, and as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except the foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of the Holy Scripture. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray. Almighty God, We come here this morning to hear a word from you. We need your Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and transform our lives so that we may live a life that is holy and pleasing to you, so that we might do your will and not our own. Strengthen and empower us today. Right. Following instructions. Today, uh, instead of a main point, I'm giving you a main question. And actually, there's there's three of them. I'll give you two of them now, and then one of them in a little bit. First main question is: Why do I hesitate, bargain, or refuse to do God's will? Why do I hesitate, bargain, or refuse to do God's will? And the second is like it, what would it take for me to do things differently? With that being said, I want to share with you that I've noticed a pattern 
that people tend to have in life. I've noticed it in my own life and many lives that I've observed. And, and I, I might suggest uh, that just maybe if you find uh, yourself resisting this pattern and saying, oh, that's not me, chances are when I do something like that, when I have a reaction like that, it's exactly me, right? Uh, so if, if you feel like, oh, that's not me, that surely doesn't describe me, uh, chances are that maybe, just maybe, it does. And so the pattern that we have in life is this. We're going about doing our own thing. We're living our life. And then something stops us or causes us to slow down. Something gives us pause. We realize that, that we might not have it all together. And so then we look for guidance. And we look for guidance in different ways. Sometimes we call a trusted friend. Sometimes we look in scripture. Sometimes we go to a therapist. We, we go in different ways looking for guidance. But then there's this other part of the pattern. Right after we look for guidance, we tend to reject the answers that are provided for us. And we replace them with our own answers. think God wants us to do. Sometimes we get an answer and we, we go, okay, that's what God wants us to do, and then we start to try to do that, and we might do that for a little while. We might even make it a habit. But eventually we lose sight, we get bored, or we face an opportunity uh, to forget. And we go back to doing our own thing yet again. Don't raise your hands, but I just think that that might uh, identify with some of us in the room. And so, uh, the message of Scripture, the good news in these two stories, and the good news of this sermon is that healing happens when we follow instructions. Healing happens when we follow instructions. I can't tell you how many times... My wife and I have come home with a, a, a piece of furniture that needs to be assembled. And about 30 minutes into it, I'm, I'm getting visibly frustrated and irritated. And she says to me these words that, that I, I love to hate to hear. Well, are you following the instructions? <laughs> Wives, go ahead and nudge your husband's. The thing is, the answer is usually no. And then I go back and I have to start all over. And I follow the instructions one step at a time. I pay close attention to the detail to make sure to have the piece flipped the right way. Instead of just saying, oh, I think it fits like this. And, and then finding out that there's a reason they wanted it a specific way later on. I... I reject the instructions. Or, or maybe you've done this. You've set your GPS to get to your destination in your car. And then at a particular intersection, it tells you to do something that you don't normally do. It tells you to turn right instead of going straight. And you're like, but I do this all the time. I know what I'm doing. I'm going straight. And then 
You go straight only to find that there was a reason it told you to turn. There's been an accident and the road is closed. And you're stuck for an hour. Because you didn't follow the instruction. These things happen in our lives time and time again. In fact, uh, it happens in Scripture. So here in our our Bible passages for today, the one from 1 Kings and the one from Luke 17, simple instructions are given. And then there's resistance, bargaining, and in some sense a refusal. Let's see. In the second Kings passage, there's a leper who wants to be healed. And a young girl who had been captured and was was basically a slave in this man's home uh, said, you know, the prophet in Samaria can heal you. And so he writes to the king of Samaria and the king, you know, because the prophets worked for the kings, by the way. That's just a side note. You might want to tuck that piece of information away. The prophets worked for the king, so that, that's why this man wrote the king. And then the king was upset. Now, a part we skipped was the prophet didn't understand why the king was upset because basically the king being upset shows that he didn't trust his, his prophet. Right? So the prophet says, send him on this way anyway. The man goes to the prophet. He followed an instruction there. He takes his whole whole entourage with him, as they tended to do back then. And at the gate of Elijah's house, he doesn't come in because he's sick. He doesn't want to make the prophet unclean, right? Elijah sends out a message to him and says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be clean. And just like you and I, I've tried that before. Oh, if only, if only it were that simple, I'd have done that a long time ago. Aren't, aren't my own solutions better? That's what he says. Aren't my own solutions better? Let me see if you can hear it. Are not Abana and Parfar, however you pronounce that, the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in rage. Has that ever happened to you? Somebody's told you, you know, uh, if you'll just do this, I don't want to do that. And we turn and walk away in rage. But then, luckily, his entourage that he brought with him talked some sense into him. They're like, if, if he had asked you to do something harder, would you have done it? And that's what I'll, I'll ask us, is if we had been asked to do something harder, would we do it? I'd like to think yes. I could, I could really dive deep into Blue Mound's particular context there, but I'm not going to. 
the thing is, sometimes we're asked to do simple things. And sometimes the simpler that thing is, the easier it is to say, oh, well, that's not going to make a difference. I'm not going to do that. Or I don't really want to do that, so I'm not going to do that. See, then again, in our New Testament passage, in Luke 17, again, we have a leper. This time we have ten of them. As Jesus is traveling uh, between the places of Galilee and Samaria, which actually Samaria is south of Galilee uh, and between Galilee and Israel, right? So Jesus is headed towards uh, Jerusalem in the Gospel of Luke. He's always headed towards Jerusalem. That's where it ends. Um, And so while he's on his way, he comes across ten lepers. And it says at first they, they at a distance holler to him. Now again, just like the reason that the leper in the Old Testament stopped at the gate, instead of approaching uh, Elisha directly, there was this understanding that if a leper came into contact with somebody else, the other person would be sick as well. Not just sick, but unclean. And therefore separated from the religious community. Because if you're sick, you can't be there. Right? And so, uh, far at a distance, they call out to Jesus, have mercy on us. And what his instruction is to them is to go show yourself to your priest. Is that a difficult instruction? You can respond to this one. Is that a difficult instruction? I don't, I, I mean, it, it's one that at least they can bargain with. But, but Jesus, we're sick. We don't want to risk getting the temple sick. I don't want to go over there and do that because I, something bad might happen later on. The, the seemingly simple instruction of go show yourself to your priest is, is not as simple as it sounds because people's understanding could get in the way. Social norms at the time could get in the way. And just like at that time, sometimes even today, the simple instruction of love one another can be gotten in the way by abstract uh, and, and insignificant things. Like the difference of a person's skin color or political views. Whether they like vegetables or they don't like vegetables. All sorts of different things can get in our way and break community. And see, for these ten people in this New Testament passage, they are outsiders. And they have kind of become a group of outsiders. One is a Samaritan. The other ten are assumedly Jewish. And they're sent 
to their priest because they had been rejected from the community. And so, in a sense, going back to the priest and being healed can restore community. But at the same time, the Samaritan had never been welcomed in the Jewish community. Right? The Samaritan was not welcomed not just because he was a leper, but because he was a Samaritan. So as they're following the instruction and become healed, all of a sudden, the brokenness is even more uh, made aware. The Samaritan realizes while he's on the way with the others that I have nowhere to go. And so he turns back to Jesus who cleaned him. And he gave thanks. He fell on prostrate. And, and that's like lying on his face, giving thanks to God, giving thanks to Jesus for, for the healing. And Jesus says, well, aren't, weren't ten of you made clean? Where's the others? They're doing what Jesus told them to do. They're going back to the community that they were a part of before. Which leads me to the next point, that sometimes we do what Jesus wants us to do, and then we keep doing it, even after the situation might suggest we should do something different. We were given this instruction, and we just keep doing it. Even though the right thing to do might have been to turn back. I, I hope I'm not being too honest and candid about anybody's uh, particular faith journey, because I know this hits home with my own. Sometimes... We keep doing something because that was what at one time we felt was God's will for our life. I felt uh, when I began my career in ministry, I felt God's will was for me to be in youth ministry. That's what I understood. So I pursued that. Well, at a certain point in time, it became evident to me in my prayer life and in my work life that I was, I was not called to be in youth ministry, but I was called to ordained ministry as an elder in the church. But I didn't really like that at the time, and I didn't really want to do that yet. I was kind of scared of that, and so I kept going with what I understood God's will for me at that time, and I kept going in youth ministry even when I knew I needed to be pursuing a different path. That's a personal example. Maybe you can think of instances in your life when you continue to follow an instruction well after. But see, the thing is, healing happens when we follow instruction. Healing happens when we follow instruction. And so the question is, how do, how, do we know, how do we know what to do at any point in time? 
Well, there are different methods for discerning uh, God's will. And as Methodists, we tend to uplift a particular uh, form of discernment that we call the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Now, this is, um, is not a term that Wesley himself came up with. The term was come up with by a man named Albert, Albert Outler. He was a professor at SMU. Uh, and he came up with this term based on uh, all of Wesley's writings. How did John Wesley decide what to do and when to do it? And, and the format is this. First, scripture. There's four parts. Scripture, what does scripture say about this? If scripture says it, that's a great thing. And it's a really good guide. But sometimes, one scripture paired with another scripture can seem as if they contradict. Like, What was this leper supposed to do? He was told to go and show himself to his priest. That was his instruction. But then he turned back to Jesus. And he didn't follow the instruction anymore. But we know that he did the right thing. So, so where do we look at scripture and go, okay, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And where do we dig further? Well, second part of the Wesleyan quadrilateral is what is tradition? And by tradition, I don't just mean your family over the last 20, 40, 50, 100 years. What, what I mean by tradition is the tradition of Christian history. What has Christian history had to say about that particular thing? And that's where you can, you can really help yourself understand what a scripture passage is saying. And it can sometimes really help you to understand a different meaning of a scripture passage than what you read on the surface. Again, I could really dive deeply into that by itself and have a whole sermon there, uh, but I'm not going to. If you... We'll, we'll explore that at another time. The third part of the Wesleyan quadrilateral is reason. Now, this isn't just science for the sake of science. This isn't just logic for the sake of logic. This is reason as an extrapolation from Scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right? There's that whole parable that goes on to elaborate on what the neighbor might be. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to isolate who is my neighbor to simply somebody who uh, comes along and heals somebody, takes care of somebody that's been beaten and robbed. Right? It's a reasonable extrapolation of Scripture that we should show kindness and compassion to all people. Right? You know, do you understand how that, that's a reason extrapolation? A parable is told, it's not an explicit instruction. It gives our minds space to figure out what the right thing is. And then the last of the Wesleyan quadrilateral, uh, scripture, tradition, reason, and the fourth is experience.
Now, this isn't just, um, I, I have uh, experience uh, as a web designer, because I've built two websites, three websites. Now I've got, uh, and so that's going to inform my understanding of God's will. This is experience of the Holy Spirit. Again, I won't ask anybody to show their hands, but, but some of us have felt the Holy Spirit in distinct ways in our lives, and that has, that has hopefully guided our decision-making. When people ask, when did you decide to be a pastor? What, what made you think you wanted to be a pastor? What I tell them is, is a story of when I was 16 years old and my friend who pole vaulted with me wanted to come to church. And then after a couple weeks of coming to church, he wanted to be baptized. His family didn't show up for the baptism. But in the Methodist church, we have, we have somebody stand with a person be, being baptized. And so our, our pastor invited me up to lay my hands on my friend while he was being baptized. And I had felt the Holy Spirit before. But in that particular moment, I felt the Holy Spirit differently than I ever had before. And it was distinct. And the message was this. This is what you're supposed to do. Now, like I said earlier, for a long time I thought that meant youth ministry because I was a youth. I was at youth group. I was a leader in our youth program. This is what you're supposed to do. Okay, this. Youth. And I pursued that. I later come to understand that that was a call to sacraments. In the Methodist church, only ordained elders can baptize. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to baptize. And so that experience of the Holy Spirit from me has guided my path, and I reluctantly, but eventually, began pursuing ordination as an elder in the Methodist Church. Again, I'm telling my story so that you might think that you might examine your own life and find instances where, where God has nudged you, where God has given you instruction, and, and to ask yourself, Am I willing to do God's will instead of my own? That's our other question for the day. That I hope that you would leave here this morning asking yourself, am I willing to do God's will instead of my own? In some cases, that's things as big as a career. In other cases, that's as little as letting somebody else have their preference on which restaurant you eat at. It is possible to know God's will. It is not something that is easy. It is not something to be taken lightly. And it is not that we should continue our course no matter what. We should regularly stop ourselves and examine where are we going? What are we doing? Whose will is being done here? Is this because I like it this way? Is it that significant? You know, some, some very wise people have shared with me some nuggets of wisdom in my life, and I'll share uh, just one or two with you. Uh, 
Uh, one was given to me as I was a newlywed, and they told me to be careful about how I argue with my wife. They said, think about this. When you, when you, when you notice yourself and you're in an argument, ask yourself, stop yourself and ask yourself, is this going to matter 20 years from now? Because if, it, if it's not going to matter 20 years from now, it probably doesn't matter right now. Is it going to matter 20 years from now? And then uh, another piece of wisdom was shared with me uh, very recently. And, and I don't know if the individual even realized he, he was speaking into my life here. But, but he said, if I listened to everybody that told me not to do something, I wouldn't be where I am today. Sometimes when we follow instructions, when we follow what God's will might be, some other people not, might not like that. Think of a widow who decides to leave her entire estate to a church. And her kids don't have faith. They might not understand or like that decision. Does it mean it's a wrong decision? Sometimes in life, when we're following what God wants us to do, it might mean that other people disagree with us. But the thing is, the gospel for us today, and the gospel from these stories, is that, that when, we, when we follow instruction, healing happens. Amen. If you've been blessed by this podcast, I want to challenge you to share this blessing with others by investing and inviting. Invite someone you know who might be blessed to hear this, to listen to it directly, or by sharing it on social media. Additionally, we ask you to make an investment in this digital ministry by going to bluemoundumc.org and clicking Give Now, or by donating through the Anchor Podcast app. This would help to expand the reach of this digital ministry and expand the gospel message. God bless. Well, that's it for this episode of Blue Mound Methodist Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out in any way, please send us an email at office at bluemoundumc.org. We'd love to hear from you.